0: Thank you for tuning in to Trevor Talks podcast, where we talk to real people about real topics and real stories. Today, we will be talking to best selling author, actor, and mental health advocate Nathan Clarkson about life in New York City during a pandemic, acting in Hollywood, mental health, faith and so much more, including his latest book, Good Man. This guy's been all over the place. He's been on every show you've ever seen. You've probably seen him walk in the streets, just been like, I don't know who that guy is. But without further ado, here is Mr. Nathan Clarkson. Nathan, how are you, bro? What's
1: up, man? It's good to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Dude, yeah, always. Uh, We're in the middle of a pandemic right now. New York City's kind of on some restricted levels there. So how has the Big Apple been?
1: Oh, man, it has been crazy. You know, I it, it all kind of went down months ago and, you know, no one knew what to think about this, but it was like just from one day to the next, New York was everything you imagine it to be, people, lively, exciting, it never goes to sleep. And then all of a sudden, it just is a ghost town. And it's really weird because, I've, you know, I'm here in my little apartment in New York City, and it's really weird. I have missed living in New York city while I've been here in New York city for months. Mm. So it's, it's a really weird feeling. And it's kind of sad to see New York like this. Cause I kind of feel like New York is my friend. Um, you know, LA was my old roommate who I ne- never really got along with, but New York is my <laughs> friend. And it feels like my friend is sick and I want to help it somehow, but it's so it's a weird feeling walking the streets. Um, but there has been a little bit more life breathed into it recently. So I'm, I'm, holding out hope things will hopefully go back to normal soon and that oh man this thing will end and this is crazy it's affected so many people on so many levels
0: dude and you live in the middle of like everything so i bet doordash is slamming there you can get whatever you want <laughs> like here no. in georgia dude i've got like five options and one of them's dairy queen so like <laughs> that's dude, it you don't knock dairy queen
1: man i grew up on dairy, dairy queen. queen
0: but that's like the only good choice
1: <laughs> we do have like a ton of postmates and doordash options i will say that and if you're listening to doordash um or or postmates please sponsor the podcast because this guy's awesome <laughs> but i i tried not to go too crazy. like the first like month i went a little crazy on the postmates but now yeah. i'm like i'm learning new recipes i'm learning how to cook i'm more. Not- i have this I do. I have this thing called, um, I I name it Quarantine Stew. And I just like pick things out of my cabinet and I figured out how to make a really good stew. And you also
0: have a wedding ring on your finger, which requires you to actually make it look like you're being productive. You see, I don't. Like, I'm going to go out. Like, I'm going to go pick my food up and I'm going to bring it back to my sad little life with my. I'm just kidding.
1: (laughs) Dude, you have a big, full, amazing life. And you have some wide open spaces to walk in. It gets crammed here. You have some nice fields to
0: roam and frolic through. Exactly, dude. So (laughs) you're in the middle of the city. What's the craziest, craziest thing you've seen this far?
1: Oh man. You know, I wish I had like one particular incident. There was a guy on the street the other day screaming that he was God and telling everyone to wash their hands. So that's like a pretty crazy incident. Um, but, uh, I think everyone should wash their hands. Um, But honestly, it's just crazy to, like, walk outside and see everything empty. That's, like, the Mm. craziest thing. And then the only people you do see are wearing masks. And I know we have to, but it's still just a crazy sight. It's hard
0: to look at because you can't tell somebody's smiling. And especially when you're single like me, like... They got pretty eyes, but like, I want to see a smile, (laughs) like not to be weird or anything, but like, I would just really, I love seeing people smiling and happy. And I did see somebody with a mask that had a smile printed on it. And I thought it was pretty interesting, but it just wasn't doing it
1: for me. It It just wasn't. wasn't Yeah. You want to make sure that, you know, you like the eyes, but everything below, you want to make sure you like that too.
0: Yeah, dude, exactly, and the only reason I'm asking about it is because a lot of our listeners are living in rural America, and living in the city is somewhat of an interesting thing to us, country folk. I don't know if you've ever been around like a Georgia boy like myself, but when I go to New York City, dude, like, I'm starstruck, and I haven't even seen any stars. I'm just looking at <laughs> the polluted air and all the skyscrapers, and I'm like, yeah, like, look, Mom, I made it. Here's an instant photo. <laughs>
1: It's crazy. It's a, it's a whole different experience. I grew up kind of like moving all over the country, yeah. living in both city and towns. I lived in Tennessee. So i know the South and Texas and like home is Colorado. So I had this weird thing. Uh, and then the past like, Oh yeah Colorado and I've been I've been living <laughs> in like Los Angeles and New York for the past decade and then uh, I get to go home to Colorado. so I have this like need. I want to be where all the people are and doing things in the cities and then I get really tired and want to go home and just have nothing and sit in the mountains so I've, i I love both ends, but it is city life is a is very crazy and fun all at one, all at once.
0: Nah, dude. So you're living in the city with your wife. You're a best-selling author, an actor. Where did this whole journey begin for you?
1: Oh man, I think it began the day I took my first breath. But ever since <laughs> I've been a kid, man, I just love stories. I uh, stories connect with me. Stories are the thing that inspires me and teaches me. Uh, you know, I remember watching Lord of the Rings when I was a kid, and I, and I looked. So did Lord Bethel, Rings. dude. What's that? Bethel Church? Did you see? Oh the yeah, Lord they the have Ring a whole program.
0: School? Yeah, that's uh, terrible, but we're not gonna talk about that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we're staying nice and kosher. We're yeah, we're kosher, bro. Sorry, I have to say it. <laughs> but yeah, man, I love stories. You know, I, I when I go back and look at scripture, I'm like, Jesus shared everything, all his wisdom through stories, through parables. And I, being someone who loves stories and loved God, wanted to use my life telling great stories and if that was being in movies and acting in Hollywood that's one way or if that's writing books and telling my own personal stories that's another way but I just love stories man that's kind of where it all began for me Dude that's so sick
0: and you have OCD so you've had mental health issues in the past I was watching an interview um that you and your mom did with focus on the family and you kind of broke that down so what was it like learning to live as someone with OCD
1: Yeah man I was I you know for a long time i wasn't diagnosed i just felt very different you know as a as a kid i would look around the classroom and see everyone else um uh, you know, doing all their tests. Cause I also have ADHD and I had depression and, and as well as OCD. So I had all these things and dyslexia. So I had all these things that mm. were going up against me as a kid. And I, and I couldn't put my finger on it, but I knew I was different. You know, I couldn't sit still. I was a kid who'd get in trouble. I would have these obsessive thoughts that I couldn't get out of my head. And I'd feel weird when I would tell my mom or something. And so, you know, I, I had all these, these, things going on inside my mind that I couldn't quite articulate what they were or why they were there, but I knew it made me feel different. And a lot of times it made me feel like I was looking through a, like a glass at the rest of the world. And the rest of the world was out there having a party, doing their thing. And I was like behind this glass, watching them trying yeah. to be on the other side. I don't know if you've ever felt that, but mm-hmm. that was something yeah. that it, it really, it, it felt like I was alone. And, and that was really hard for this kid who loved people. That yeah. was, you know, OCD. It makes you not want to, you know, uh, it, things get contaminated and they go in your mind over and over again and it made it hard for me to touch people and I'm an affectionate loving energetic kid so I had these weird different parts of me that were that were really unarticulated and I couldn't quite figure out what they were and it made me just feel very different and feeling different makes you feel very alone. But it was when I was a teenager that I got diagnosed and I could start putting names to these things that I had all my life. And I had, and that was the first time I started doing therapy. And oh my goodness, if anyone's listening, please go to therapy. It'll change your life. Um, it just to have someone to talk to and work through these things and say, you are normal. You are, you are valuable. You are good. Um, you don't, and it just makes you feel a little less alone to have someone who's on your side, but man, mental illness has been a, a journey for me. And I was lucky enough to a couple of years publish a book about my story with my mom, kind of from our different perspectives, um, growing up with uh, mental illness and then being a parent of someone with mental illness and, and a lot of people really connected to it. And, and you know, it's just something that's really close to my heart. And as I realize that I think, you know, I, I, I don't want to say this too, too casually, but I think everyone in the world deals with depression at different times or loneliness or anxiety in some form or another. It may not be a diagnosed, but I feel like everyone can connect to the feeling of feeling different and alone because of how your mind works or how your experience has been. And so for me, it's been really a journey that that's it's a lot of struggling, a lot of fighting, but because I was blessed enough to have a mom who introduced me to God, mm. um, I've been able to walk with God through this entire process. So it, It's been quite a process and really has shaped me. But that's one of the reasons I want to tell stories is because I want to reach out to the kids like me who felt yeah. like me when I was a kid and say, there is hope. Uh, Keep on going. You are not alone. So, you know, I want to mix all these things that shaped me, but I I think stories can really reach out to kids going through that kind of thing. And hopefully I can use my experience of having mental illness um, in those stories that I, that I'm part of.
0: Yeah. And in your book, Good Man, it says like you get vulnerable in that book. You go through your mental health, you go through vulnerability with being a man and feeling like you have to meet these high expectations. Um, and like I said, you just hit on some very vulnerable topics, including OCD, ADHD, everything that you've struggled with personally, but even getting into a generic level to where people can understand like, okay, I'm a good man, but I have issues. So hmm. was it uncomfortable at all to kind of take those, like unravel all that?
1: Yeah, you know, it really was. It. I grew up, uh, I'm the son of a of a pastor and a popular writer and speaker. And so, you know, I always had this image in my mind that I had to be this perfect kid. And let me tell you, behind the scenes, I was not. But I found the things that affected me most of my life were when people get vulnerable with me, when they let me see their their real selves. The pieces of art are the ones who get to the, to the depth of what it is to be human. And sometimes it's really messy looking. So yeah. I knew when I was writing this book called Good Man, that I knew I had to be quote unquote vulnerable because I knew if I didn't, if I, if I didn't open up that part of myself, the very personal part of myself, then I knew it couldn't reach out and connect with other people who have been through the same things I have. So it was absolutely uncomfortable. You know, there's a page in the book I wrote and I'm like, I'm writing this down in black ink. I'm confessing like the deepest doubts and sins and secret failures and the faults that i have but i'm doing it so that other people who have those things who feel alone because of those will know that someone else out there has those but also is reaching and trying to find out what being a good man looks like
0: dude and it's so weird because once you get vulnerable do you find that people take some of what you've written down and trying to help someone and try to turn it into something against you
1: oh yeah because- yeah i have i have found that you know it, it's interesting i think we put a lot of pressure on people nowadays, especially people in the public eye to be perfect. You know, we have a a whole cancel culture right now that basically Mm. says, if you mess up or say the wrong thing, you're done. And that's just not how God. That's not how life works at all. Like we're, we all, I mean, all have fallen short of the glory. We, I make mistakes every single day, every single day. I had a fight with my wife this morning. Like Mm. nothing is perfect. Everything is hard in life but we have a good God who loves us yeah. through it. He doesn't cancel us. So I think that's beautiful when we look at God. The culture might cancel us, but we can look at God and know that he never will.
0: Dude, cancel culture gets on my nerves, honestly. Like, I understand if you've done something like terribly wrong, but if you said something 10 years ago and it just surfaces out of nowhere and everybody's like cancel mm-hmm. this dude like, so you're throwing stones at this guy for something he said 10 years ago, you don't know who he is now. And it, it's just so hard because you, it's almost like you don't want to defend them to a certain extent because you can't defend what they totally. said, but they're just being stoned. And a lot of times there's no facts to back, um, yeah. what's being thrown at someone, but the accusation's so bad, like you just kind of have to sit back and let it play out. And, um, it's, it's mostly in the entertainment industry, but I found it more and more. It's just creeping its way into everywhere. Mm. Like I can only imagine when these kids get back into high school, like from being gone so long, how they're going to start canceling their friends out. And I think if everybody sat back and thought about what we're teaching the next generation by this, like, Oh, you're triggered by this. You're triggered by that. That offended me. Like, okay, it offended you move on. Like you it doesn't need to be a thread because what are we teaching the next generation
1: to be a bunch of babies like it's it's interesting like i i think it's good to call out things you and i both think that right we need to call out destructive behavior yeah until and and if i'm acting destructively i want someone to call me out but the interesting thing about god is he calls us out right god will call us out and be like that is not okay that's unhealthy that's destructive you're hurting yourself you're hurting someone else but then, what we haven't as a culture grasped is the second part, which is we call out and then we offer redemption, we oh, off, offer forgiveness, and we offer we offer a new way forward. We offer second yeah. chances. That's what loving Jesus is all about: is a second chances, because we realize we should all have been canceled by the things we've done. Right? Every one of yeah. us has done a cancel worthy thing. But what our culture has grasped is calling out the bad thing. What we haven't grasped is uh, forgiveness, redemption, and showing a person a second chance. So I think both of those are necessary for a healthy, healthy, anything, mind society, what have you.
0: Yeah. And like in context, like when you call somebody out, like that needs to happen. Some people need to be called out on things. Everybody has something they need to be called out on.
1: Oh yeah. I have a few things. (laughs)
0: Like I was sitting by the pool with my parents and family uh, a few days ago. And for some reason I was given a talk at um, the university of Minneapolis a few years ago. And I was talking about when I used to struggle with pornography as a teenager Mm. and my mom and dad were watching and they knew nothing about it. They just like, my brothers would go watch it on whatever available computer. But I was like the tech whiz kid that like got the iPod (laughs) touch and hacked in the firewall to where nobody could see what I was doing. So it's like, I was vulnerable about that. And now it's like a, topic of discussion that has to come up like every single time everybody's around each other it's like you know that's kind of childish um and even for um the celebrity culture like if somebody does something stupid like they've got to answer to the whole world and it just doesn't really make sense it's like okay they did something wrong or if the whole jada pickett smith and will smith thing i don't really know what happened but if somebody uh, slept with somebody while they were on a break or whatever. Like, that's between them. Mm. They've got to work that out. That's between them and God.
1: Like, we don't know how to do that anymore, do we? Don't we don't know how to let your
0: opinion, people- right?
1: <laughs> we live in this world in which we think the world always needs our opinion. And yeah. then it, it, it's great because we can always give our opinion on everything until it turns back around on us and everyone yeah. gets to have the opinion. And it's, you're right. There need to be some things and some places in our life that are, that are, maybe I'm using this word wrong, but sacred, that are just between us and the people around us. Sure. And we live in such a public world, we think everything needs to be out there. And I think that can be a dangerous thing. But yeah, you're absolutely right.
0: No, for sure. And one thing that I wanted to talk about a lot was the show 13 Reasons Why. It's a Mm. Netflix show. And for some reason, Christian viewers have absolutely butchered it. And I'm just curious, why do you think? it is that way i know it's very controversial i know that there is like a lot of shock value when you see the things that are being portrayed but overall when it comes to what teens go through in high school especially when it comes to suicide bullying and the other effects that it has on others it accurately described it and some things were definitely overdone um, but for the most part, one of the biggest things that I read when everything was going down is everybody that a didn't watch it was like it's making suicidal look glamorous. No, it's not. When that scene came on, Trevor Tyson threw up. Mm. I couldn't finish it. It made me the furthest from being suicidal I've ever been in my life. Like I've never been really suicidal, but seeing what effect it had not only on the person inflicting the damage to themselves, but her mother, her father and the whole, the whole like community around them. And even further than that, I lost a friend to suicide a few weeks ago and it was just like that ripple effect. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the third time something like that's happened in my life. And it's like, I'm doing all this work in mental health, but there's always going to be those people that I believe have, sick minds like their minds are sick just like someone can die Mm. of cancer like they're depressed and just there's a lot of times it just overcomes them but when it comes to 13 reasons why um i feel like it brought a lot of value especially if if someone gets caught bullying somebody at school i think they need to sit down and watch it if Mm. um someone wants to show an arrogant person that thinks that this stuff doesn't happen Um, I think you should show it to them. But I also think Mm -hmm. that it could be a tool used to show people what teens are going through and why the mental health and suicide rates are so high amongst teenagers. It's because there's so many judgmental people out there and what they go through is hard. So when it comes down to 13 reasons why, why do you think all this controversy happened?
1: Yeah, that's a that's a great question. And I'll I'll take a second to plug here. By the way, anyone listening, we're having Trevor on my podcast called The Overthinkers. We're gonna we'll be talking about this and mental sure. illness and uh just the whole film and entertainment industry and how it's portrayed. Uh as you know, Trevor's an incredibly insightful guy, so come on over and listen because it's gonna be a really great conversation. But to answer your question, yeah, man, it, it's really interesting. I think I think one thing I'm notice from living in the Christian world pretty much my entire life is that Christians, they have a desire and and it's not necessarily a bad desire for everything to be okay, for everything to look right and to wear a smile, for everything to be clean and happy. Um, and that and we all want that right we all, we all want things to be okay but the reality is the world is a broken place sure. there is cancer and hurt and anger and depression and all of us no one gets through this world without experiencing the touch of darkness that lives in this mm-hmm. world and thank goodness we have light from god that guides us through and it gives us hope but there is a real reality to the pain in the human experience. And I think in a lot of Christian movies and even Christian music, um, for the sake of trying to make everything look okay, they've ignored that pain. They get uncomfortable with acknowledging the pain that people go through. And so I think when a show like this um, comes along, I think people get uncomfortable with seeing the reality of the world. And that, you know there's a few shows like that. Um, there's music like that. I remember yeah. listening to Screamo as a teenager and, you know, I would have, you know, Christian kids tell me, you know, that sounds like too dark or too, too angry. Come listen to this That's happy devil's music. music. <laughs> exactly. And I'm like, no, but this, this music is like echoing how my heart feels it's
0: angry music for happy people.
1: That's exactly it. <laughs> uh, man, I was pretty anxious though in high school. But I think there's something to be said for when you're making movies and you're making music or whatever it is, is to acknowledge the pain and the reality of being human. Because Jesus acknowledged, uh, acknowledged that, right? He acknowledged people's pain. He knew that we were going through things. He didn't try to pretend it was everything was okay just to make everyone happy. He said he knew that and yes, it, the Bible literally describes Jesus as a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. One of my favorite verses is the shortest verse in the Bible and it said, Jesus wept. And that is acknowledgement that the world is hurt, that Jesus, mm-hmm. while he was here, hurt in this pain. And so I think that Christians are gonna, you know, have a reaction sometimes to shows like that, because it acknowledges a real world hurt. Um, instead of saying, well, this is going on and we should have paid attention and we have to betray these things so we actually can bring hope and redemption and healing to these kind of situations.
0: Yeah. And like, I will, like, just for the fact that I know there are people that will go in and take words out of context, unfortunately. Um, the show does have a lot of bad language, a lot of premarital sex, and that's not what I'm advocating for. Oh, here. sure. Um, the value that it brings is within the mental health aspect of it. Mm. Um It shows Clay Jensen, the lead character in it going through therapy in the last uh, season and essentially him having a mental breakdown. And I don't know if there's anything that I've related to more than that, because like going through therapy and of course, Gary Sinise playing the therapist just made it all the much better. Um, but it was like, As someone who's been through therapy, as someone who's had a mental breakdown, as someone who struggles anxiety and panic attacks, I get that. And Mm -hmm. I, I've, I've had those moments and I'm sure you have as well where I'm backstage at a show and I don't know how I'm about to get on stage in front of these people Mm -hmm. and give them hope because i feel like i'm dying inside
1: man i feel like a fraud i feel like a fraud very often when i'm writing imposter syndrome i'm doing yeah absolutely
0: it's like i feel like i'm an imposter i don't feel like i'm good enough to be here but a good friend of mine jennifer just always tells me whenever i bring something up like that she's like compared to who Mm. compared to who who are you comparing yourself to that's where the is coming in from on my side, and I'm the first to admit it me being vulnerable, I struggle with insecurity, um, oh my God, comparison to how man. I look like and uh, we've had this discussion before, that's why I dyed my hair this year, like it's been blue, it's purple right now, green, like just because like I don't want the first thing I worry about when I wake up in the morning is what I look like. Oh yeah. What is an entrepreneur supposed to look like? What is a talk show host supposed to look like? What is um film promoter? Like I, I didn't want to care. So I started dyeing my hair and I love it. Like I love the shock factor and walking in a, a restaurant and like every gray hair in the room just right at you (laughs) and i'm like what's up guys i love it and it's with a smile on your
1: face yeah and there's no anger behind it it's just no joy because you're because you because you're learning to not care i love that
0: and it's generational it's like um my grandmother um the first time i dyed my hair it was silver she's like honey your job must be stressful you're graying way too fast and i was like i dyed it (laughs) and like it's 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 interesting to see how when someone that viewed like dyed hair or tattoos as a sin or just some Mm. kind of terrible thing, just slowly becomes more okay with it and realizes, Oh, they're not on crack. They're not crazy. Like Jesus loves them too. And I feel like it comes down to us as people, you and I as Christian men and anybody listening, um, you have to be that light in somebody's life, whether it's your mom, your dad, your grandparents, your brother, your sister, cousins. It doesn't matter if they don't understand what's going on with like black lives matter. Um, I don't support the political campaign behind it just because there's a lot of religious thing that goes into it that I don't support, but black lives do matter. Mm, they 100% absolutely. matter. Um, but also like, police officers are people too. So you can't fight racism with racism. You can't hate cops. Um, You shouldn't hate black people. You shouldn't play hate anybody. But Mm -hmm. a lot of people don't understand that. Like when you say black lives matter, you're not saying that all lives don't matter. It's not what's being said. And it's very destructive for a person of color to hear all lives matter because it's like, if you walk into a neighborhood and one house is on fire, and the fire department starts at the first house and the second house, and it's the sixth house down, and they're just spraying them all down with water. It doesn't make sense. The sixth house is on fire, not the first through the fifth. You're going to go focus on that one house. So our brothers and sisters that are feel like they have been being attacked and they have statistics to prove like this is an issue and it's being Mm -hmm. addressed – Um, And I try not to get too political, but at this point, I don't even see that as politics. I just see it as like, this is a humanitarian thing for me.
1: I try to do that where I try to say, okay, I'm not going to think about, is this right or left Uh or center? Uh I try to think about as a human, as a Christian, what's going on here? Is this something that. What what is, what would Jesus, I hate to be this cliche Christian kid, but what would Jesus do? What would Jesus say? What would be the response? And Jesus' response is always, um, that life is valuable Mm. and that we need to fight and, uh, for the, the realization that life is valuable needs to be protected, and we have to focus in on different people when they're going through things. I think a lot of the anger and the frustration we see now with so many different things in the media, be it Black Lives Matter, be it the COVID stuff, is I mm-hmm. think a lot of people feel really unseen, and in reality they are unseen, whether it's by their families, um, whether it's by their teachers, or, or or in this case, whether it's by all of society. I think there is an epidemic. Of people feeling unseen and hurt as a result of that. And until people feel that they are seen and that they are valued, um, the world really can't live in peace. And so that's why it really is important, like you say, to stand up and say, no, racism is evil and we can't just passively let it happen. And hopefully it goes away. You have to stand up and say, no, this is evil. We have to pay attention to it. We can't just let it go unseen anymore. We have to do something about it. And it's the same with mental illness. You can't just hope it goes away. You can't just hope, Mm. you know, if you close your eyes, that'll just disappear. You have to say, no, this is hurting people. This is bad. Same with any of the things that are going on in the world, sex trafficking. It happens beneath our, our, our noses every single day. And we have to actually say, no, this isn't okay. And I'm not talking about getting stressed out and and, you know, and posting and getting in fights. I'm talking about actively doing something to make the world you live in better, because if you ignore it and try to pretend everything's okay, it will get worse and people will be hurt. And and the value that God placed in people will go ignored. Um, But real quick, I want to I want to jump on something you said earlier about the anxiety that you have felt and the, the dealing with the blue hair and the, well, all the different colors. Yeah. Um, but it's funny. I was going to say in my, in my book, I have this um, uh, a bit in a chapter where I talk about how there's this one guy on social media. And for like the past 10 years, I have, like, I followed him. And like everything he does, like I'm totally jealous of, and I totally compare myself to him. And I'm like, he has way more followers than me. He has definitely like multiple best selling books. He ha- he gets to hang out with like way bigger celebrities. He gets invited to all the big conferences, and um and so it's just like this comparison game that's really unhealthy. But it, you know I'm human, and so I feel that. And I remember sitting with my therapist one day in the um in, in the room and. I was telling him all these things, you know, my life has fallen apart. Um, I just had someone who I love leave me and I can't seem to get anything right in my life. Stuff is not going well. I'm not in my career. And he goes, and I look at this guy and everything, it's all set. He has the family, the kids, the house, the job, you know, the, the books, the, this, that. Judas Smith. Yeah. (laughs) It's not. Keep on guessing. You'll get there eventually. Uh I love I love some of his stuff though, man. (laughs) But um but it's funny and and he said, Do you really think that on Instagram he's gonna post all the things that are hard in his life? Uh And this is again goes back to the authenticity thing, but like but he's like you really don't think that he is not struggling with something, whether it's Uh familial, whether it's health, whether you think that his life is just perfect because he posts that on Instagram, and it's really true. And when I think about it, it's like, no, everyone's going through stuff. Like I'm not going to post my worst stuff on, on Instagram right. or Facebook, but we judge all of our experiences by other people's lives who look perfect, which is, which is really interesting and goes back to that thing that yeah. we all think we need to look perfect all the time. But yeah, exactly. but I totally connect with you on that comparison, that insecurity thing, because I definitely have it
0: 1000%. Dude. And it's, it's wild to see someone you look up to like that, um, die by suicide. Mm. just imagine yeah. um the people that thought that about chester bennington um for myself a yeah. um, good friend of mine jared wilson last year same
1: i knew jared and and yeah he was one of those guys for me I, he was always so kind but yeah i looked at him and he had everything and everything was exactly. so wonderful exactly And there were demons he was fighting behind the scenes and i'm so sad to know that and but you can never know what demons people are fighting behind the scenes mm
0: i was like he's got the family like his brother seems cool like just random stuff like that um it it just blows my mind because i even had a conversation with a friend after the fact um and we hit back on i had said something about i wish i had jared's life um Mm -hmm. about four months prior I'm just joking, but we retouched on that and just kind of looked at things. And it's like comparison is damaging because no matter how good of a person someone is, there's always something they're fighting. And, Mm -hmm. um, while we're talking about suicide and Jared and, um, you know, like we said earlier, suicide is like a cancer. Sometimes Mm -hmm. people are sick and they lose their battle And for anybody that is listening and they're like, do people that commit suicide go to hell? If they're saved, no. I I have not found anywhere in the Bible that says anything otherwise. So if you read it in there and you find it and you can quote it, tell me. Um, But there are no signs pointing to that in scripture at all.
1: And God is as faithful and loving and forgiving to us as we are unfaithful Mm -hmm. uh, to him. So no matter how far we fall or what we mess up, anything, God's love extends more than we could possibly ever imagine. So never worry, never worry about something. Yeah, for sure.
0: And with all of this being said, like for you as an actor and an author, do you see yourself creating a storyline to help spread a message? And if so, what message?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I've had on my heart for, you know, years, I I have, I've had multiple scripts that I've wanted to produce um that really focus in on mental illness and um multiple multiple of these scripts they focus on different characters who are dealing with different mental illnesses whether it's schizophrenia or depression or just anxiety um or just trauma from a really really difficult past or uh experience but i have for a long time and it hasn't happened yet but really wanted to dive into making a film that really connects with the, the human experience, which is so hard. But then at the end, through it all, offers hope. So that would be a big dream of mine. And having me um, star in it? Days.
0: Oh, my gosh. would be amazing. Oh, yeah.
1: I, and I got to write myself a part, too. Come on. Yeah, got to get, get, gotta get some acting twin gigs. We're games. brothers. That's
0: right, <laughs> <laughs> And uh, for the person listening right now, that feels like they have absolutely no chance of making it an entertainment. What are some steps they could take right now with the things that they have in their bedrooms or in their car, wherever they're listening to this, what are some steps that they could take right now into making that happen?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, man. I, I started this journey over a decade ago and it is such a, a weird one because, you know, with a lot of professions, be it doctor, lawyer, nurse, you have kind of like the set path. You go to school, you go to med school, you do your residency, blah, blah, blah. And you become whatever it is, uh, with, with anything in the arts, whether it's music, you know, this, whether it's writing again, you know, this and and acting too, there is no set path. So it can be really hard to figure it out. But some of the first steps I took and I always advise, um, young actors to take is one, get some training learn the basics get whether it's an like online course amazing online courses learn some of the basics two when you are when you do feel confident about that talent you want to really try it out get some pictures taken get a friend to take some really good headshots against a blank background that is basically your calling card in this business uh three get yourself on tape for a reel even if it's just like a scene you find online and you tape yourself And then for like, go out there and do it. Send your stuff to agents, uh, get on those websites and start submitting yourself for projects. And what I did, and this is a fun part of my story. When I first moved to Hollywood, when I was um, 19, 20 years old, after I lived in New York while studying acting, um, the first thing I did, and this is how I lived for years before I ever got my first line in TV show, before I ever got my first part, I lived as an extra. I was the blurry background actor in so many TV shows you've seen. Goals. Oh my god. But I had the, I had so much fun. Oh my gosh, I had so much fun. It was it was cuz I was I was a part of it. You know, I wasn't making yeah. much money, but I was, I was there and I was learning and I think when you're an extra, one you learn humility. You learn that you were low in the totem pole. Um, and so you don't think too big of yourself because I think a lot of kids get out there and they book something real quick and they think something real big about themselves and they never book anything again because of pride Mm. hits. So I didn't have that. I waited a few years before I booked something walking as a blur in the background. But two, you get to watch the professionals at work and you really get an inside view to how to do it. So if you do live in a place like Georgia, like New York, like LA, get on set, be an extra. It's so much fun. You'll make friends, but you'll also see some really cool, um, uh, things happen in professionals acting and, and working in front of you. Uh, funnily enough, the the show that um, I was like a regular high school jock on was, uh, was Glee. Um, and so I was on Glee for, for years. I was in a thousand episodes, just walking to like the background with like a Letterman jacket. Dude, and sick. yeah, man, but it's, it's interesting to, see. and that's another thing that's popped up in the news is, you know, everyone's talking about the Glee yeah. curse and, and um And it's interesting. Again, everyone has all these opinions, but I, you know, I interacted with these kids. We got, we got craft services together. We got snacks. We were in the same scenes. And so that, that is a weird, interesting, very sad memory, um, hearing about all the news lately. But that is a fun fact that I was in glee as an extra for many years before I got my first (laughs) line. So get in, get out there, be humble, uh, be excited, get some pictures taken and get some training and you'll be well on your way.
0: So, uh, for people that want to get into that extra business, where would they start with that?
1: Well, in New York and LA, and I believe Georgia too, there's a place called central casting and they, they do pretty much all the extras in every movie and TV show you've seen. And by the way, a lot of very famous actors have started the bottom of the totem pole. Uh, like Brad Pitt used to be an extra with central casting. And there's, you know, there's hilarious stories about him, um, that everyone that circulate on set, which is really funny, but, um, but never look down on starting as an extra cause people like Brad Pitt were there too. So yeah. this is a place, this is absolutely a place to go.
0: No, that's sick. And you guys heard it here first on Trevor talks podcast. This has been Nathan Clarkson. You can go get his book, good man, wherever books are sold and go check him out on social media at Nathan Clarkson. And, uh, is that right? Nathan Clarkson? Yeah, that's it. There that's we me. go. Yep, y'all heard it here first. Well, 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 this has been another episode of Trevor Talks. It's just been such an amazing conversation. I love sitting down and talking with Nathan. He's so amazing. His book, Good Man, is available everywhere. and You can find him at Nathan Clarkson on all social media platforms. Be sure to go check him out and catch me on his podcast, The Overthinkers, next week. It's been such an amazing privilege to sit down and talk with him. I'm super thankful for each and every single one of you guys for just giving me the time of day and listening to the podcast in general. So thank you so much for that. If you don't mind, leave a review on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you're listening from. That helps me a ton, and we will talk to you guys next week.
1: Is life feeling chaotic? I get it.